Hey, welcome to Mos Eisley's. Can I get you a drink of a Java juice? Today we will be discussing Star Wars Love Controls the Galaxy. I'd like to introduce some Mos Eisley's Cantina special guests, Ann Finch and Joe Finch. Uh, they will be discussing with me how love in the Star Wars universe kind of controls the galaxy and shapes stories in ways that we do not see play out much later in the story. And it really makes for great content for plot lines and for things just to kind of ponder upon and relate to ourselves in real life. Hello. I'm Anne. Don't say your name. Well, good, good job, Ann. I'm Joe. Hi. Hello. Yes. That's Anne and Joe Finch. They're very professional. Um, so, let's get down to the nitty-gritty already, huh? All right, let's go, let's go. All right. Let's do it. Love and Star Wars, huh? What, what do you guys think? I'm kind of thinking okay. about Padme and Anakin. Okay, so obviously, obviously, we have to discuss Padme and Anakin. But also, now, when you say love in Star Wars, are we talking about romantic love? Like, like what is the scope of the discussion here? I think just any kind of love. So kind of like how Grogu and... Mandalorian isn't romantic, but they are, you know, loving towards each other and have that bond that you can see throughout that TV series. And it kind of, you know, shapes the plot a little bit, how Mm -hmm. he, it changes, you know, character development, it changes how Mando lives and interacts with people that he's known his whole life you know and as a bounty hunter so i think just Mm -hmm. how love kind of just shapes these characters and plots within i was looking at anakin and padme just because they literally kind of set the downfall for democracy um yeah there's there's a lot to unpack there there's a lot to unpack there because okay let's walk we all agree with the fact that on paper Anakin and Padme, conceptually, is very, very good. On on paper, it's the best relationship of the Star Wars universe. So that's that's on paper. That's on paper. I mean, like, obviously, if specifically, so Star Wars did, like, two romantic pairings ever, right? Basically, in the main canon? Correct. Like, yeah. they, did, they did Han and Leia, which... They did so right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They did it so right. And then George Lucas went, okay, let's talk about Darth Vader's, Darth Vader. Like, let's talk about Luke's hair. What were they like? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which- well, first of all, when we meet them, one of them's going to be nine. And the, and the other one's going to be a leader of the country, or the planet, rather, I guess. And also, like, local, like, I, I, I looked this up the other day. Adult woman, Natalie Portman, 
she was mm-hmm. like, so she was not an adult woman is maybe a stretch, but she was like 18 or 19 or 20 at the time. Like, she was a young woman. And then the kid who played uh, Anakin was a child. Yeah, he was mine, I think. We ignore the age gap. Clearly. Clearly in that relationship. I mean, we, we're forced to. Uh, we have no choice. But seriously, if the age gap when they're both adults is at least interesting, right? If he's 19 and she's 24, and she's a senator, and he's like some, you know, dude. Like, that, that's interesting and also critically he's not a child yeah but it, just going back and watching attack of the clones though which you should never do you shouldn't but if you want to know if you want to get as <laughs> close of a read on movie version of anakin and padme you have to and boy Mm. It is punishing. It's bad. It's real bad. Really bad, actually. It's creepy. It's uncomfortable. It's gross. It is unhealthy. It's unhealthy. There's not honestly. There's nothing good about their relationship in the movies. But if you want to talk about the way it's characterized in other media, like the Clone Wars, then that like, that's you know they made points there. The insane, the incredible tension between the facts that there were such high stakes for George Lucas to nail the Padme-Anakin relationship in the prequel movies because they form such, like, that contextualizes so much, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, where did Luke and Leia come from? Well, there was this tragic romance. And it's like, okay, if you're going to write a tragic romance that, like, is the reason for the entire original trilogy... Then maybe George, the romance should be good, and then he beats it so bad, so profoundly and so tremendously that all of the cleanup work that's on that relationship that actually, in my opinion, makes it interesting and worth thinking about is done in the animated children cartoon. Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and the discrepancy between how bad it is in the movies and how actually pretty compelling some of the time is in the Clone Wars is buck wild. Listen, we love Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series on this podcast, so Mm -hmm. you guys should uh, go check it out uh, if you want to. You don't have to. We can just focus on the movies. But it really no, no, does help. I think, I think you have to, actually. If, if you want to yeah. talk about prequel era Star Wars. If you want to be not disgusted by this specific romantic relationship, then you don't have a choice. You have to watch Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the children's TV show from 2008. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's the only good characterization. It's done really well. And it won't take you that long to binge, honestly. So <laughs> No, I've done it twice in the last year. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's good. I just find I mean, it um, interesting to see the contrast between... So there's that tragic glow between Anakin and Padme that is way more developed with the animated series. So you can kind of see the 
the goods and the bads to that relationship and the inner workings. Um, maybe a li- little bit more bads than goods to that relationship, but... That relationship is so fascinating in the show because in the movies, like, obviously, it's, it's unhealthy in the movies, right? He's the reason she dies or whatever. But in the show, it is so interesting to me because they're, they're in love. You get to see them being in love. You get to see him, like, hanging out of their apartment and you get to see them eating dinner together. Um, and also by the end and like their very sweet scene in um, the last year and the last season where he's like space Skyping her or whatever just to say hi and they're in love and it's very sweet but also you have these moments where it is so clearly unhealthy and it is I, I think your mileage may vary on whether or not Anakin is emotionally abusive at that point in time but he's getting there um, Except this time it's on purpose by the show writers. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, there's such a toxicity, there's such an unhealthiness um, that, is, that is intentional. Like, there is, there is this tension that is so intentional and so interesting because the show gets that they are like, I mean, they are the loves of each other's lives, right? Um, yes. But they're so awful for each other and the movies just shot right into they're awful for each other you don't want to see these two people on screen yeah not even movies you don't it sucks you feel very bad for natalie portman one of them hates fans the other one is trying to run a uh entire planet yeah or you know not anymore she's retired well i mean she's She's still a senator, though. Yeah, I just think it's interesting, you know, you see that in the prequels and then, and how, not even, I mean, we can get started, but how the Jedi really suffocated what love was supposed to mean for them. Um, Oh my God, yeah. And how comparative to that of how Luke was raised with a family, whereas Anakin, you know, was a slave, um, DLDR, <laughs> and how kind of just growing up in like a loving home and not having to be forced from one bad environment to, I dare say, the Jedi were also a bad environment of emotional um, intellect. So mm-hmm. Luke growing up with love and having not having someone try to tell him hey, you can't actually love people and be this force-weeding, wilder Jedi who can save the world. Um, you you know what I mean? Like, he was able to use his love for his friends and for strangers he's never met, um, but still have, like, be able to be like, no, but I love Leia because she's my sister, and I love Han because, you know, they form that bromance. Um, and he was able to, like, use close bonds to be a Jedi and later teach young younglings whereas Anakin growing up all that stuff was really uh, suffocated and pushed down and he wasn't able to fully um, develop love because of how he was raised and then also being stolen to the Jedi Order and then not being able to understand emotions either 
So I think it was just, it's an interesting concept that love and like the different series of Star Wars kind of shows different transitional periods of that. So yeah, that's that, that's a really good point because uh, Luke is Luke and Anakin both I think love the same amount. They're both characterized as loving people. But like you said, Anna, Anakin is kind of shut down and told not to love as hard as he can, whereas Luke is nurtured. And he has people around him who support him a lot more than people supporting Anakin. And Sorry, Obi-Wan, 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 you did yeah, your best. You did your best, well. Obi-Wan did it early, and that helps, right? Then he did it real Ooh. early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, I think I think something that needs to be said here, um, because I'm thinking about it and it's making me feel crazy, is that also part of it is that even though I think I think Megan, you said that kind of went from like one emotional extreme to another, Anakin did. He also, unlike any other Jedi up until that point, like he's the only Jedi who ever like knew the love of a parent, right? Because like it's not even that he's raised in this environment where he's like told that like his emotions or the full spectrum of his emotions and, like, love and attachment aren't something that he should, you know, he should put stock in, but also that he spent the first nine years of his life in such a terrible, awful, traumatic environment that the only constant, the only thing he had was just, like, the intense, unconditional love of his mother, right? Like, that's all he had, that this woman loved him so much, and he loved her, and that's it, the only good thing in his life. And it's fluffy. And then the Jedi were like, actually, no, you're never going to see your mother again. Don't worry about it. Also, we don't talk about we don't talk about having emotional attachments to people here. Stop being weird, child, young child. And it's even crazier that they take them when they're babies. You know, it's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually they just steal them when they're children when they're babies, so they don't have to worry about talking to them about this. Like, dang, Anakin's nine years old. Ugh. It's going to be so hard to explain to him that he can't see his mother ever again. Yeah. <laughs> hope that doesn't affect him negatively. <laughs> I hope this doesn't cause traumatic back, <laughs> traumatic experiences for the young lad. I hope he doesn't become the dark Messiah. <laughs> This will be fine. I don't see an issue here. It'll all work out. I hope, hope he doesn't murder all of us in the temple at a nine o'clock in a random evening. I hope he doesn't do two genocides that we know of. Yeah, kind of crazy that he's done at least one genocide. Wait, no, he does. He does three genocides actually. I think I'm thinking about the top of my head. He gets hugged after one of them. Yeah, he does get hugged. The problem is he got positive reinforcement after the first genocide. Yeah, he after he killed going. the women and the men and he the children. He slaughtered them like animals. <laughs> <laughs> we love our problematic fave. <laughs> uh, Skywalker did a few things wrong. <laughs> just a few. So did the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Well, the difference is that one of those wrongs uh, murdered the other, so. Yeah. It all works out in the end. RFDP. 
Is it? Are they really reserving a place, though? Yeah. Are they? <laughs> yeah, people don't know. You can't just say RSVP. People don't know what that means. Oh, you're right. Sorry. That's how I say RIP because um, I'm a freak. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even really know what to say after that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us at Most Isley's Cantina. Follow more for episode two. Thank you.